Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Analytic Assist with me, Dr. Shauna G, where you hear me interview an expert or experts on their work that is somehow related to energy, and probably a few things outside of that, because this is about the science, but it's also about making the science relatable. Hello, thank you for everyone that is joining. My name is Shauna Graves, and you are listening to something that I have been thinking about for a very, very long time. This podcast is called The Analytic Assist, and it's going to be an interview format. From here on out, it'll be me asking the questions and interviewing um, some an expert uh, in a field um, that has to do with energy, and we're about to get further into that and what that means and what the heck I'm trying to do with this podcast um, that I've been thinking about for a long, long time and piecing together with some wonderful friends um, that are helping me record and edit. And then Susie Morrison, who I'm going to introduce in a moment, who will be interviewing me for this introductory podcast so that you all can get to know me, why this was important to me, and what I hope to accomplish with this, and what I hope to convey through audio, through sound. Um, so without further ado, this is Susie Morrison. You're about to hear her voice. Hello. She is So Susie is one of my best friends. I met Susie in 200 hour yoga teacher training. She entered my life right at the beginning of my decision to make yoga a big part of my life. And since then, she has just become more and more of a huge part of who I am. And as people tend to do that are big parts of your life, she's become a big reflection of Um, the person that I truly am. And she just continues to help me grow and become better because her energy is absolutely infectious. So I find it so fitting that this wonderful human and spirit is introducing me and interviewing me for the very first episode of this podcast. So Susie, thank you so much for deciding to do this. Oh my God. Wow. I feel so honored to have that introduction and (laughs) part of your life like that. Um, So that makes me very happy. And you also have infectious energy. So uh, FYI. Um, So Shauna, like, what's your sign? Like, what do you do? Tell me about yourself. (laughs) My sign. (laughs) I I was just trying to be a teacher. I never thought you would ask me that. (laughs) I don't care about that for real. But you know, you could say it anyways. (laughs) Trying to give you a pickup line. Oh my goodness. So look out. You see Susie at a bar. She's going to ask you for your sign. That's and that's right. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, so uh, yes. Yeah, so myself, I have a background in science. I went to school for an incredibly long time um, and <laughs> came out with a piece of paper that says uh, PhD in biochemistry. Doctor. But really? Doctor doctor. Um, But really what that translates into in real life uh, is different, or at least I think. Uh, What I I did in the lab was I worked on something having to do with the human immune response. Um, And so that's the science piece of me. And in science, we like to measure, well, everything. We like to, we like to... (laughs) 
we like to measure everything in short (laughs) in short and in a nutshell we like to measure it we like to measure it analyze it um publish papers tell you our conclusions about it Mm -hmm. and and build from there and um you know as we're recording this we're in a time where it's the COVID-19 pandemic and clearly we're in we're living it we're living a world where those practices and scientists I mean it's in our face the need (laughs) you know we knew it before but it it could not be more clear um there's a need for that and a place for that and I clearly uh have devoted a lot of my time and my life to it however in living this human experience it is you know I'm aware that you can't always measure everything that's going on and there are times when even further you can't even put it into words because you're not even really quite sure right you know there's there's feelings and um to use another word that I have already introduced as part of this podcast is is energy there's there's energy and, and connection and you can't even really put words to it, let alone wrap your head around it and you surely can't measure it. But there are pieces of this human existence that are outside of that. Um, and so I started getting into yoga. Um, I actually started yoga when I was in graduate school and knew that I needed something. Graduate school is really um, stressful for a, a lot of reasons. but I knew I needed something for my mental health, basically. Right. Um, and I, I got into yoga and it's just, you know, obviously gotten bigger and become more of my life and more of an actual practice. Um, and so I became a scientist that was uh, also a yogi, yogini. Um, and so that's a quick, quick introduction to me. Well, <laughs> and I'm a Gemini. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if I knew anything about, you know, horoscopes and signs, I would tell you some things, but I don't. That was just a cheap pickup. <laughs> Someone else is going to have to do that. We can have to phone a friend. It's, yep. just, it's just the line, but nothing to back it up, you know? <laughs> exactly. That's like, what's your favorite element? That's what I should have asked you. On the oh paper. my gosh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So think about that. We'll you get a couple of lost looks like element. You should try that and <laughs> offer no further explanation. <laughs> oh my God. So, so you said kind of what you do a little bit, but I wanted to know what, what brought you to science? Like what made you maybe as a young girl or maybe as a young woman, um, what brought you to want to study science? <laughs> um, you know, honestly, when I was a little kid, I wasn't like, I want to be a scientist. Um, instead I was saying, I want to be a veterinarian and an interior designer. Mm-hmm. Oh, and a marine biologist. I, oh, I love, well, yeah. yeah, right. I, I, I love animals. Um, and so that's where my head was at as a, you know, a kid, um, healthy animals. And, uh, that hasn't gone away, but and buy nice couches and curtains. <laughs> <laughs> You still want to measure that room. You still were dying to measure something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> something, something to measure. Give it to me. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, science, I mean, you know, I, I started figuring out, I'd say probably in high school when you start having uh, 
AP classes and Mm -hmm. you start really getting into what at least I did. We had the option of taking chemistry, you could take physics. And it was really the first time um, where you really got into the big concepts in science. And in high school, I knew that I had, uh, it, it made sense to me when I would learn something new, it just stuck in my brain really quickly. And it just, it just made sense. And I'm sure part of that was because it was interesting, right? Like we tend to remember the things that spark some kind of interest and make us want to learn more. Right. Um, and so that's sort of where it started, but it never even really entered my brain. And I just remembered like a memory just popped in my brain right now. Um, I was actually a senior in high school and I was running down the hallway to play in powder puff football. And if you don't have that at your school, it's where girls play a flag football game and you play the juniors. It's juniors against the seniors. Oh my God. So it's my senior year. I'm running down the hallway to play powder puff football. Very important. You know, I bet you didn't have a hall pass either. Just running. <laughs> sure didn't. And in fact, uh, my chemistry teacher at the time <laughs> yelled at me in the hallway first to yep. tell me to slow down because I was literally running That's and right. without a hall pass. <laughs> and second of all, um, he said, you know, Shauna, I really wanted to take a moment to tell you that I think you have a head for this. I think you have a head for science and it makes sense to you. And I would really like you to consider going into this. I think that I think that you would be good at it. And I think that you would do good things for the field. And wow. I look back and right, how lovely, how how wonderful. My um, teachers were not telling me shit like that. But anyways, <laughs> go go ahead. Well, and it, it shocked me, right? I mean, my brain could not have been further from anything related to school. Um, but he took the time to to slow me down. Right, literally. Uh, you know, yeah, literally my idiot 17 year old, butt that only cared about, you know, you know, flag football prom. And I mean, that's important. It was important to me anyway, at the time. Anyway. So, um, yeah, took the time to, to tell me that and let me know that. And I remember internally thinking, no way, <laughs> like right. you're, you're crazy. Like, there's no way this is that I'm going to be a scientist. There's no way. I mean, it really honestly hadn't even entered my mind. And I knew that these classes were uh, not easy, but simple. And in the way I just described it, the the concepts just made sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did, I I didn't even give it a second thought. I just took off running and went and played part of football, Um, you know, and continued on into a senior summer, had a great time, but I, I really didn't think about it anymore. And then you know, we went to undergrad and again, science made sense to me. And that's the point when finally, like, honestly, um, I started thinking about making science my profession, but even then it was still, I, w- I was geared towards veterinary school. You know, I yeah. went to, uh, I went to Colorado state university, big agricultural school, their veterinary school is, it's one of the top in the nation. Um, and that was still the direction I thought I was going in. And graduate school was just, that came about because I had another mentor. It's see connections and energy, just as I'm telling this story, all the different points in my life where, you know, a person, a figure, some kind of life event was directing me 
to go in this direction uh, over and over again. And so I love that. You couldn't avoid it. Couldn't avoid it. And darn, I tried, right? Well, I wouldn't say totally tried. I, I tried to spin it in a different way. Right. You weren't leaning into it as much. I was not leaning in. I, I was like, that's cool. But like, can I be over here in the side lane? <laughs> like, I don't know if that's my lane. Can I be right. this side lane? Like, I don't really see myself in a lab. Yes, not at, not, at, not at all. And so I had another mentor tell me, you have a head for this. You should consider graduate school. Um, and at the time <laughs> you're like, a, curse that person. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, well, <laughs> damn, if, damn, if this doesn't, this doesn't keep coming back. Um, right. And I had a roommate at the time that was in graduate school. I had a roommate in the time that was in graduate school and it still did not even enter my brain as a possibility for me. Wow. Um, I know. And she lost her funding and was in this nightmare situation where she had to scramble and write proposals and find some way to get her all the way through graduate school. Um, and so my mentor telling me this, Hey, you should consider graduate school. This was in my brain. I'm thinking again, Oh, no way in hell. But right. I will say this time I was more open than 17 year old Shauna running powder puff football. This time I heard it enough and said, okay, well, here's what's going on with my roommate don't want to live that I will apply if there's a program that is intramural so you you're part of um the grant funding agency and you don't have to apply for proposals it's a headache that you don't have to deal with there is a program it does exist and so I applied thinking no way in hell am I going to get in I'm going up against I mean, brilliant people, right? There's a lot of very smart, brilliant people coming from all these Ivy League schools. And sure enough, got in the first try. And well, so that's hello. How, yeah, I know. It's just, I know. I've I never cool. thought of you as aloof until right now. <laughs> Everybody was pointing you in the direction. You're like, la, 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 I have you, you are not an aloof person, but you were back then. <laughs> Susie, I think all of us are aloof. You know, you hear the no, I know, and you just, you just know. don't want to. You no, know? I get it. I just avoid that. Avoid your <laughs> destiny. Our, de our default aloof. Nah. Mm. No. No. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. God. <laughs> well, I loved hearing that story, and I think you need to tell, you need to send a few of those people some thank you cards. It's a great time. I need to. Sitting at home and <laughs> I do. I need to send that teacher, that chemistry teacher in high school, a big, huge yeah. thank you card. Or a link uh, to this podcast. I know. I need so I hear. Yeah. I mean, he, he was fantastic. And again, it just lends to sparking interest and that energy, yeah. that connection. He would, he would dress up. He called it Captain Carbon. And he was, he was a superhero with a big C on his chest and organic oh chemistry is all about carbon. And so he was Captain Carbon and he would jump on our desk and fly I'm quoting like quotes fingers that you can't see right now mm -hmm. fly <laughs> from desk to desk and teach us chemistry <laughs> wow my chemistry yeah. teacher was not passionate at all <laughs> I remember he used to wear shirts that looked like graphing paper and mm -hmm. those intrigued me um but he was not flying around the room so I did not know that he ever that he did not know <laughs> I did not go into science. Uh, so taking back to yoga, what mm -hmm. do you want to teach, Shauna? 
what made me want to teach. Um, so I think what made me now looking back, I think what made me pull the trigger on teacher training, because you know, it's a lot of time and it's, it's just different than anything that I had ever studied, at least for me. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I needed to one hit a point in my life where I could commit the time properly, you know, do it justice. Um, So I think what really made it so that it was a big enough priority was hitting that point in my life where I had a nine to five job. Um, I could predict when I would and would not work. I was not working in a laboratory anymore, which can actually schedule wise be quite hectic in a lot of ways. It can be hectic, but you know, you work odd hours quite a bit depending on what you've got going on. Um, and so I wasn't working in a laboratory anymore, so I could make the time. I also started to realize that once I had that time, that nine to five job, my practice truly became a practice where I was in a studio all of the time, basically like every single day. Yeah. And I was coming out of graduate school, which had left me feeling really thick skinned and a different version of myself because you learn coping mechanisms, right? To get through hard situations. And so my coping mechanism to get through that was to get a really thick skin and to disconnect from my feelings to get through really, really stressful moments. Right. Um, compartmentalize the hell out of everything. Oh my gosh, man. Did I compartmentalize them? I stuffed paper around them. I could ship them across the country and they'd still be boxed up nice and tight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was compartmentalized to the max. (laughs) Um, Mm. And, and I noticed those starting to become they were starting to break down and I didn't know what was happening I I knew I was doing something physical at least at first you know you're aware of the physical piece you're moving through the poses you're breathing um but I was even the breath I was I was very much aware of the physical part of it you know okay I inhale air enters I exhale it leaves you know but I um I felt myself changing internally in ways that I knew it was somehow connected to going to yoga because it was the part of my life that had changed. You know, it was the, it was the difference, but I didn't know why. Um, And I wanted to learn more about that. You get snippets of it when you're in class, your teachers talk about it, but I wanted to know more, you know, what, what is happening to me? What is making it so that all these walls that are super thick compartmentalize to the max and, and they're starting to break down. Um, and so that's what, that's really what made me decide to at least learn more in yoga teacher training. And I still wasn't even sure if I would teach what, what made me know I would teach was our experience in 200 hour Um, And realizing really through feedback and what I felt in myself that I was good at it Um, and that I was, I was meant to, I was meant to do it. Yep. 
Well, having taken, I don't know, tons of your classes, I won't say a specific number, but tons of your classes <laughs> over the years, uh, you can definitely tell you're a scientist in the most beautiful way um, when you teach. And the one example I always think of when I think of you being a yoga teacher and a scientist is like, yeah, you definitely get into anatomy um, better than the average teacher, I would say. And you say more of the uh, like scientific terms, but you make sure you say the layman's term too. But I remember one day being in your class and being in Shavasana corpse pose and you were trying to wake us up from it. And you said, um, breathe air into every cell of, in your body. And I was like, Ooh, I'm going to steal this. I like this. This is, I, this is good. But I was just thinking like, it just made me think of like, wow, she is such a scientist in the most like, <laughs> way. Like you just blend everything so well together. And I think that's why this podcast is so cool. And we're going to talk about this more is like, you know, how you came up with the name and what an assist is in yoga, but the, you blend everything together because it all is related. Um, well, that's good to hear because sometimes I hear those words come out of my mouth and I, and I think, you know, <laughs> you know, I hope, I hope that this connects to everyone because it sure connects to me, you know, obviously, but you know, I'm glad that, um, I'm glad that it made sense and that it made it so that, you know, I could drop cell and Shavasana <laughs> or drink exactly. in Shavasana and it, and it felt natural to you as yes. well. Yes. It wasn't out of place. Like I was talking about actual frogs in frog pose the other day. Um, <laughs> place you know what I mean but but you know there are frogs at my mom's house right now so I was talking about um so anyways I was wondering for everyone out there who maybe has no idea um what an assist is in yoga if you could go over that a little bit because I want to talk about the name analytic assist and I want to know how you came about that yeah, so it's a good way to break it down is to talk about what an assist is because figuring out the name for this that incorporated so many different aspects was a challenge. Um, so an assist in the yogic world. Um, so when you're in class, the teacher, the instructor can assist you in a lot of different ways. And really we're doing it throughout, through speaking so right. um the, the audio assist you know our cueing and then from there as you know you can get more really I guess physical is the best way to word it um so a hands-on assist is first of all you start off being very intentional from the beginning you know you're mm -hmm. entering someone else's space and we we talk about that a lot in in yoga training right um really respecting and honoring someone's space. So if you decide to give someone a hands-on assist, you enter with intention right off the bat. And part of that is, you know, we, we actually ask permission at the beginning of class when we teach, um, while everyone's head is down, you know, child's pose where your face is really close to the ground. Um, and you ask them, you know, are you uncomfortable essentially 
with hands-on assist and you ask the entire class. And because people's faces are close to the ground or eyes are closed or however the instructor chooses to do that, people can raise their hand or their leg or, you know, whatever body part to opt out if they feel uncomfortable. And so from there, you know, if they did not opt out, you let them know that you're in their space. Um, and so from there, what an assist is, is it can be, um, it can be very gentle. Like you can just place your hand really close to someone's spine, for instance, and then tell them, lift your spine up closer to my palm or something like that. And what you're doing is getting them to adjust their own body in whatever pose they're in, wherever they're at in their practice in such a way that um, really the most important is to make their alignment safer. If you see something like that, where there's a safety issue, you go there first. Um, if you're not seeing that and it's more refined, it's more of a subtle um, assist, then it's more to get them to engage their muscles a little bit more, or it's to get them to get a little bit more out of the pose, particularly the ones that you're in a lot, because, mm -hmm. you know, human nature, we tend to be in places or placements of our body, essentially, that are familiar. And we get lazy sometimes, right? We, we need to be... Not me. I never <laughs> get lazy. <laughs> but everyone else, yeah. <laughs> 150 <laughs> percent mm -hmm. yeah so it's and then, so it can be that where you are just letting them know hey try this and see how it feels um so it's first of all to get your students in a safe place and then after that it's to get them into their practice a little more um and it doesn't have to be you know it could be breathing with them you know getting right. them to realize you know, maybe you're holding your breath a little bit and them just hearing you. And really in the assist, there's a lot of energy mm -hmm. going on. There's, there's that transfer, you're in someone's space. And so there is energetic transfer between the student and the teacher. And we talk about that a lot too, as far as intention. So if you go in knowing what you're going to do physically, right. But you also go in knowing where you are at <clears throat> mentally. Right and um, emotionally and if you're going in not quite right you know and you know that you're, if you're in a place where you know it's not it's probably not a good idea for whatever reason then you just don't do it right um because you you know there is that exchange of energy and how are you entering my space um and so that's important, an important aspect to uh, an assist as well. Yes. So to have a good assist from what I'm hearing from you is to go in with an intention and go in with that good energy yourself, knowing what you're going to do and knowing where you're going to place your hands. If it's a physical assist and um, first of all, getting consent from that person and knowing mm -hmm. that person opt out the entire class if they feel like it. So. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's good. That's helpful to explain to people who might not know what an assist is. So in, right. terms, in terms of this podcast, the name analytic assist, what made you want to name it that thinking about what an assist means in yoga versus what you wanted to do with this podcast interviewing experts and scientists that you met? Right. So 
I think of it as, so the assist part, you know, the reason I had a hard time finding a name for this podcast is because, as I mentioned, it's pulling in a lot of different concepts. Right. And at first glance, it may seem that they're, that they're not related. Like, you know, if I, I really wanted to approach this in a way that made those connections as clear as possible. Um, because really what I'm trying to do is bridge the science to practices. Um, and certainly yoga is going to be one of the topics that's discussed in the, in the podcast, but certainly we're going to discuss uh, practices outside of that. And so, as I mentioned, when I started going to yoga, I started to feel an internal shift within myself. And then when I started getting to know people around me in class, they described a very similar experience. And, you know, this started happening in the District of Columbia. Uh, so an area where we enjoy a lot of different diversity. You know, people are from all over the world. Uh, and depending on where you practice, of course, that's that's going to change, you know, your community, just like any community. But no matter where I practiced, and I've practiced at a lot of studios um, and in a lot of different communities, a lot of them with you, Susie, um, <laughs> it, you heard a similar story that there just was this change in the way you think and what follows closely almost simultaneously is a shift in your energy and then that internal energy just branches outside and you see shifts in your external world and mm -hmm. you see shifts in your relationships and in you know things that are in direct relation to outside connection and it just gets it's so you know what starts internal this energetic shift just gets bigger it gets bigger than your body um, it extends into your world and then as you teach you know people will come up and tell you the effect that your classes had on them and you're realizing wow you know like this just gets bigger and bigger mm -hmm. and bigger um and so I wanted to, first of all, talk about that more, the idea of energy and how it is powerful and really linked to everything in the sense that I just described. Now, the connection to science. Um, so as I mentioned, science likes to measure everything. <laughs> We like to make it quantitative. However, there's a there's another part to science that is qualitative, and mm -hmm. um, and so you know I was seeing all these papers as a scientist start to come out where, um, in the science world, they were starting to measure differences in differences that people experience as a result of practicing yoga, and then I started seeing you know, as my career changed into talking to oncologists, so clinicians that work with patients that have cancer, yeah. um, it was getting to a point where clinicians were starting to prescribe yoga for patients with cancer. And so it started to truly enter the clinical, the clinical world and the scientific world. And 
as I was reading these publications, I started thinking, you know, I, I felt this connection. I just didn't know how to put it in words. And therefore, I didn't know how to build something to put out into the world to display that. And so my intention with the analytic assist was to display that, to bring people on to a podcast and interview them just like you're interviewing me now and ask them about their work and how does that involve energy and we're we're going to talk about you know acupuncture we're going to talk i mean this this can go in so many different directions um because really thinking about energy and how it can or cannot be measured or you know, what different experts have seen in their work. There are so many topics that we can and will cover. And so the analytic assist, because there's absolutely an analytic piece to this, there's a big scientific exploration that's going to be incorporated into this. And the assist, the assist is, yeah, yogic connection, how we described what an assist was in the yoga world. But it's also a play on words. You know, I see this as being an assist in a lot of different ways, assisting, making that connection between, you know, maybe concepts that people don't normally think are scientific, but really it is. And and make and assisting people in recognizing that connection in many, many different ways. Um, so the analytic assist. That is a beautiful description. And I, I think it's important to make the connection, especially to the average person um, or someone who may not consider trying yoga at all. But the more we have that research, the more we have those studies and the connection, the easier, the more tangible it might be to them um, to try. Um, you know, when you're talking about District of Columbia, I was thinking like, the yoga is needed everywhere, right? But I was thinking especially mm-hmm. here, um, because this place, like we love being uptight. Like I feel more uptight <laughs> um, here and I have to like shake it out and loosen myself up. But um, I think it's, if you if you can get people to to try yoga, to step out of their comfort zone and make that uh, connection for themselves, like with the benefits, I think that's extremely important. So. Um, it's absolutely true. Like, I, like if you have an opportunity to pluck yourself out of your everyday world and your environment, because you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, I, I grew up in Colorado. Um, I lived in California for a bit. I moved to the East Coast. And you better believe I felt the difference in right. the pace of society in we are general. not as chill over here, Shauna. <laughs> not as chill. But I even, I, like, I forget about that. Like, I'll go home. And the way people talk to each other, just the way they approach conversations is very, very different. But again, I don't realize it because and, until I literally pluck myself out of my life. And right. even when I go back to something that's familiar where I grew up, and then you realize the difference. Um, so if I can give people a glimpse into other worlds and different ways to look at things, and here's <clears throat> here's the thing, if I can get them to here's something where it sparks their interest and they want to know more and they dig deeper and, and they start to read and make their own connections, connections that make sense to them. Even if, even if I don't hit on it directly, 
you know, as I'm talking to these different experts on the analytic assist, then by all means, that is awesome. And I hope that that happens. I love that. You um, answer things so beautifully. And um, I, you know, you're starting to take away some of my questions, but it's fine. Oh, am I skipping? <laughs> no, this is, you know, this is organic <laughs> conversation. But you already kind of covered why this is important to you and and what made you realize a connection between yoga and science and also kind of what you want people to take away from this. So I think if you have anything else you want to add on that, but you kind of hit everything on the head already. Um, I think that's it. And, you know, I think that like anything, the intention behind the analytic assist will evolve. And darn, I hope so. You know, I, I really hope that it changes with where the world is at and where the field is that we're talking about that day. And um, really, really science is, you know, it's constantly changing. It's constantly evolving. And so, you know, I hope that this does continue to connect with all kinds of different people, you know, and if one podcast doesn't, hopefully the next does. And somewhere in there, a lot of different people find some kind of a connection, some kind of a, a spark or something that they never thought about, even if it doesn't quite, even if they don't quite agree, or there's something about it that bothers them. That's, that's okay, too. You know, if it sparks some kind of a thought process or, you know, I don't know. I love that. Um, so taking it back to you, getting to know you a little more as a human, um, I want to ask you what you're passionate about. But instead of asking what you're passionate about, um, I remember listening to a podcast a while ago and it was saying to chase your curiosities instead of, yeah. your I mean, they obviously relate, right? But if you're always curious, you're always going to be striving to find out more and to um, see what that is about, whether it's a hobby or something you want to learn about um, or pursue as a career. So what kind of, what are you curious about right now? What are you passionate about? Um, excited today. What am I excited about? So, you know, I, I kind of, usually when I'm asked this, it's very different like who the heck knows what's going to come out of my mouth um <laughs> but <laughs> lately it's of course been very much influenced by a world that's dealing with a situation that surprised every single being on this planet yeah. and so there have been quite a few times recently and it's just amplified now of um passionate about reading about different ways to truly let go of the outcome meaning mm -hmm. you know to me it's the ultimate practice in letting go of control because how do you invest and care and feel things you know and allow yourself to make all these connections and talk about energy, all the things I want to do and put out there into the world audibly on this podcast. Um, right. But at the same time, let it unfold and let the outcome naturally present itself. 
And that is so hard. It's so hard. And, and so my interest has been reading um, different books and thought processes about that and mm-hmm. how different people have gone about it in their life as they experience very different things. Um, and we all process it extremely different. Right. Um, so that's really actually what I've been passionate about about lately. I like that. Yeah. And so do you have a daily mantra? I mean, I know during this time right now that we're recording this, you know, mm-hmm. the time of COVID-19, it's extremely different from our quote unquote normal daily routines. Um mm-hmm. And so I was wondering what's motivating you. And I, you know, whenever I ask about a mantra, I always think of my sister and, you know, she's like this year, I'm just going (laughs) to try. And I was like, you know what? Like, I love that. Trying to try. Like, she's just trying to literally try to do whatever she wants. And like, I always feel like that now. Um, You know, and I always am just doing the most and somehow doing the least at the same time. So I'm always trying to find <laughs> between between those two. So those are kind of my mantras. Um, <laughs> I've done a lot today, yet I'm not sure what I've done today. Exactly. Like somehow, somehow, I don't know, do the most and the least. So I was wondering, you know, obviously this will be different a few months from now, probably when I ask you again, but. Um, what's motivating you right now? What is kind of that mantra? And you kind of touched upon it when you talked about like letting things unfold and, and having the outcome be just the outcome that you can't control. Um, but I was wondering if you wanted to touch upon anything else. Yeah. So that's really undergone quite a shift. Um, well, I wouldn't say a total shift. It's just, um, put a different light on a mantra that I usually have, and it's just put a different spin on it. And so the usual mantra I've had is really actually pretty close to Emily trying to try. The way I worded it was, uh, was, it was simple. Really, it was just the word go. You know, I think we all have a tendency to uh, get comfortable and to do the most while doing the least, <laughs> as you'd say. And so my mantra was go. In other words, do do it, you know, stop turning it over in your head a thousand times, looking at it from a thousand different angles, just put it in motion. Even yeah. if you have to go back, you know, in some way, some form and have a little mini redo or, oh, well, this worked, but this didn't, you know, but it's momentum and it's a process and you're, and you're going, you're doing it. Lately, yeah. it's had... Yeah, lately it's had a a spin on it um, because of what is going on right now. And so the mantra has been, look look outside of the fear and go. And I think that where we're at now hits on lots of pinging points as far as anxiety, um, stress, uh, probably anger, you know, at what is happening absolutely feeling out of control yeah um and feeling as if your world is maybe falling apart in in some ways maybe in lots of ways and so my mantra has been look outside of the fear um because 
we talk about this a lot in yoga and I've seen it talked about in other worlds more recently, which is fantastic. Uh, fear is a horrible motivator. Like it just, it makes you a blind, crazy person and it makes you reactionary. Um, and so just taking one second and looking outside of that and then taking action. I think that's important to try to look outside of that fear a little bit. And it's that fine line between like educating yourself with what's going on and then not letting everything consume you. You know what I mean? Cause then you won't be able to make any move. Um, so I think that's important to try to look outside of that fear and recognize it. Absolutely. But it's okay yeah. to feel that way, but to be like, okay, am I going to let this change? What over. I, you know, and take over and sometimes yes. And sometimes, mm-hmm. so it's good. Yeah, I, right. And, and, you know, I, I really want this also, this podcast part of it was to talk about what we don't know. You know, what, what do we just plain don't know Mm -hmm. and spinning it in a way where it's coming from a place of curiosity and full transparency, you know, just, just putting it out there, um, and having it be vulnerable in that way. I think, you know, honestly, looking back when I spoke to the change in me coming out of graduate school and having 5 million super thick walls and then a wall behind that wall, right. um, some maze walls. <laughs> yeah. Um, and really what it was, was opening up and being vulnerable and finding a place that you could feel comfortable enough to allow that to happen more and more and to make decisions from that place and to recognize we're not always going to be in that place right like you brought up a good point Susie is just letting yourself feel um letting yourself have that meltdown like I I I full-on like had a huge bout of anxiety last night you know Mm -hmm. full disclosure full transparency last night um and what triggered it was something small and I looked back at it today and I thought and all I can think is man well that was a surprise (laughs) like you know you always think it's going to be some huge moment in your life you're gonna pinpoint it and be like that's why I'm freaking out right now yeah, but usually right. I mean, that's not how anxiety works <laughs> no I think it works because you know usually because you know yeah, it's the stupid ass small thing and it's like oh, oh my god your coffee spills you know <laughs> because you know things like that um mm-hmm. so yeah I think that's a good point yes it's okay to feel shitty it's okay absolutely Absolutely. There, I think this is, is, you know, it's allowing people to look inward and to spend, like they're forced to spend more time with themselves. They're not able to be easily distracted. So vulnerability is, is scary. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think it's allowing yourself to feel that way and then keep it moving. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Hopefully Mm -hmm. it's not able to take over but I know everyone's in different situations right now and um you know fortunate enough that we can work at home and that we're right. okay. but um a lot of people aren't like that so okay. can't speak for everyone obviously um but I I think it leads back to that connection right so technology was the only thing prepared um the only thing that was 
ready is like, we can FaceTime, we can Zoom, we can do everything, um, call. And that's the only thing that that's keeping us all connected right now. And it's really beautiful. And it's also um, draining sometimes because it's a lot more than we normally be talking to people, maybe. Um, we'd be talking to yeah. people at once at a party, probably. Um, it is It is draining. But, you know, I mean, even just being able to do this, this podcast, um, you know, as you know, fun fact for the people listening to this, this is like, what, the third time we recorded this? Four, honey, but that maybe the four, I don't know. We did it a lot. (laughs) And and it ended up, you know, this, this time it came together during that time where we are (laughs) yeah we are leaning heavily into technology and and audio recordings podcasts zoom you know i mean any platform you can think of um and that's when this is coming together and i think that the timing is Man, I can't even I can't even think of a word to describe this. Um, I don't know. I just feel like deep down, I know that this first episode of the analytic assist is being recorded at a very interesting, mm-hmm. yet the right time. Yep. <laughs> and it feels so strange to say that because, um, you know, it does feel so bizarre it feels just bizarre uh but it does feel right all at the same time so yeah I agree yeah Yeah. and I I just want to ask you two more things and then we can talk about anything you want wrap it up however you want but (laughs) I was wondering what is bringing you joy right now like what's the peanut butter to your jelly like what is making you smile what's floating your boat Floating my boat right now Mm -hmm. is, well, this is just a perfect segue into what we were just talking about is people, human ingenuity is just on display right now. Mm -hmm. And, but at the same time, it's also maybe taking us back to some things that we had forgotten because we were so wrapped up in our personal lives, our own little universes. And this has forced us to take it a little slower. And sometimes, at least for me, that's a source of joy. And that's also a source of extreme frustration. But what gives me joy is looking out my window and seeing I live right behind this row of row houses. So it's these tall, skinny connected by a wall homes mm-hmm. and for the first time and we face out to their backyards um so we have like a bird's eye view of all my neighbors mm-hmm. <laughs> and we can see them on their back porch looking across the fence and talking to their neighbors and actually I was sitting in my living room and I heard laughter it sounded like a party but it was just the neighbors isolated, you know, uh, doing what they can to help with the pandemic. Um, but just talking to each other 
And it was just this row of like six houses. They were had, having to shout, which was why it was getting so loud. Um, and it was awesome. It was fantastic to watch them look beyond this one wall that separated them when they normally didn't, at least not to that extent, because we would have noticed from our view of all their yards. Um, right. And now they're they're talking and they're communicating and they're connecting and they're they're sharing their daily their daily life. Um, mm. And seeing things like that is giving me a lot of joy. Um, seeing awesome. people seeing people find those avenues of connection and communication so I love that yeah I've noticed that when I'm outside or in the grocery store I'm definitely saying hi to a lot more people um yeah I think just to remind us that we're people even though Mm -hmm. our faces are covered and we're all scared um Mm -hmm. yeah that's been awesome I feel like I'm talking to people more now than I normally do especially like people I don't know so yeah I also noticed that even though you're wearing a mask, you know, I um, was out just on a walk and wearing a mask and keeping distance from my neighbors, but at the same time, just looking up at them and smiling. And even though they can't see your mouth, you know, they can't see your smile, Mm -hmm. they see it in your eyes and they feel it. They feel it in your demeanor and they smile back, you know, and I, it's, you still recognize that in that interaction and it makes a difference. And it's really exactly what you're saying. So it was where, you know, just making that connection and it can be a few brief moments, but seeing that just is giving me a whole lot of joy. I love that. And immediately I think of Tyra Banks. That's who taught me to smile eyes <laughs> on America's Next Summer. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> um, thank you, Tyra. <laughs> Thanks, yes, Tyra. Tyra. Uh, no killing it out there. Um, so, <laughs> the last thing. Oh, my God. So random. I'm such <laughs> We knew this uh, would go in a thousand different directions. Exactly. Every time we've tried to record this, it's always so different. Um, so the last thing I want to ask you is, um, you've, you've covered it a little bit um, already, but what are some upcoming things on the podcast that you hope to cover and what can people expect from this? I know it's going to be interview style. Um, I know you maybe talked about like a little acupuncture and just different um, sciences, different holistic health, how it all relates. So if you could sum it up again, just for everybody. So it's fresh in their mind. So they know what to expect in the upcoming episodes. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, sure. Um, So yes, as you mentioned, I would really like to talk to um, an acupuncturist, you know, talking Mm -hmm. about the meridians or the the lines of energy. um, Mm -hmm. And what's the practice behind that? Is that being measured in a quantitative or qualitative way? And if so, could they describe that? And what does that mean in terms of how it affects uh, who's ever receiving the the therapy, the acupuncture? And that goes for really anything that we would be talking about in the podcast is um, how does that shift in energy change the outcome? Um, And so, yeah, acupuncture, um, you know, thinking about, I I would love to talk to someone who's an astrophysicist, you know, they, they measure 
energy actually quite a bit um, across huge distances. We're talking about the galaxy. Um, I would love to talk to one of them in some capacity. Um, you know, thinking about today's world, we keep coming back to it. There's no way around it. Putting a different spin on this in terms of, you know, COVID-19 has been in our neck of the woods in the States. By the time the second episode will come out, it will have been around for a couple months. Um, mm -hmm. And we're getting to a point where we're starting to accumulate our own data. And yeah. so what does that mean? And I, and I mentioned that I, I work with oncologists and cancer patients are a huge at-risk population to get this virus. It would just mm -hmm. be an absolute nightmare. And Yet at the same time, these physicians are being pulled into the emergency departments and the intensive care units because they have to, you know. Um, and so talking to them about how do they maintain their own their own energy levels? What are the interactions they're noticing? Um, maybe taking it into more of a scientific spin, you know, what are they observing? Um you know, in these patients and how are they managing their energy levels? Because, mm -hmm. you know, keeping your mental, um, you know, where you're at mentally and emotionally is just as important, you know, as, mm -hmm. as the medical um, treatment piece to it. So, you know, maybe pulling in some insight into that. Um you know, those are just a couple, like a few examples. And, and even as I talk, you know, you're probably getting a sense of this truly is a platform where we could talk about, I mean, really anything, um, anything that has any sort of a analytic piece to it um, that is measured in any way. And you can measure that in a million different ways, you know, um, it could be on the analytic assist. So those are just a, a couple examples off the top of my head. I love that. And I don't know any astrophysicists, but I know an acupuncture, um, uh, acupuncturist and doctorate of Ooh. Chinese. And so maybe I could connect you too. Um, yeah. Let me, let me know. And that's the other thing, you know, I really hope that this podcast gets to a point where I'm getting feedback, you know, I hope that in sparking interest and hitting points of, um, you know, in topics and a whole lot of, in, you know, different concepts where people hear something and they think, Ooh, I want to know more about that. Like, could you talk to them? Um, and that ends up being an episode that would be wonderful. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there are things that there, there are just so many options, as I mentioned that, I will absolutely not think of all of them, you know, all the different ways that I could take this in. But you guys, whoever is listening to this, you absolutely could be. So I think that if this gets to a point where I'm starting to get ideas from people that listen to the analytic assist, that would be lovely. I love it. I think that's awesome. Just uh, keeps the connection part of it going anyways. You know what I mean? If people are giving you connections and telling you, they're interested in certain, certain things. Right. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we end? I think that we really hit on a lot of things. I mean, really the only thing I would like to talk about is some things that are in closing. Um, so we're really going to try and uh, record these once a month. Um, so keep an eye out for a monthly new post and, um, 
and really that's it. And, and that's the analytic assist in a, in an interview summary. That's awesome. Thank you for yeah. being first to be interviewed for your own podcast. <laughs> thank you for, thank you for joining. Thank you for doing this, Susie. I truly appreciate it. And uh, you taking the time to interview me and of assist me. Yeah. See what I did there? Assist me in <laughs> in introducing this concept, this idea, and what I'm hoping to and what I'm hoping will happen, and what I hope to achieve. So, thank you all so much for listening to the very first episode. I'm here with Susie Morrison. You can find her on Instagram under the handle of Little Red Yogi. Please find her. Her classes are insightful and heartfelt, yet funny. So I highly encourage you to find her and take her classes. Um, And until next time. Thank you for listening to the Analytic Assist. Additional information can be found in the podcast description below. Please leave your rating and reviews below and share with your friends. If you have any topics in mind related to energy, science, innovation, and your own interest, please let me know at drshaunag at gmail.com or message me on Instagram at The Analytic Assist. Until our next investigation, goodbye for now.